No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today, we will see where Solomon dedicates the temple with a powerful prayer that God will incline his eye and ear to all who seek him there. We hope you'll join us as Pastor Darrell continues in 1 Kings chapter 8 on Simply the Bible. It was a glorious day of celebration. Solomon completed building the temple. He brought the Ark of the Covenant into the most holy place. And the Lord filled the sanctuary with the cloud of his presence, the Shekinah glory, to the point that the priests could not even minister. Now, on this day of dedication, Solomon prayed to the Lord. And this is one of the greatest prayers in Scripture, and one the Lord answered. We continue in 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 22. Then Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord, in the presence of all the assembly of Israel and spread out his hands toward heaven. And he said, Lord God of Israel, there is no God in heaven above or on earth below like you who keep your covenant and mercy with your servants who walk before you with all their hearts. So the first thing we see here is Solomon's posture in this prayer. Now, there's a lot that people say about kneeling before God, and, and there's certainly nothing wrong with that. That's very appropriate at times. But Solomon here stood before the altar of the Lord, and he spread out his hands toward heaven, which was a gesture of surrender, but also total dependency upon the Lord. And in that posture, he prayed. Now, I think What's most important is not so much the posture of the body, but the position of the heart when we pray. And he addresses him as the living, covenant-keeping God, as opposed to the dead idols, the gods that could not hear, it could not speak, the gods of the nations. This was the covenant-keeping, faithful God. He said, you have kept what you promised your servant David, my father. You have both spoken with your mouth and fulfilled it with your hand as it is this day. Therefore, Lord God of Israel, now keep what you promised your servant David, my father, saying you shall not fail to have a man sit before me on the throne of Israel only if your sons take heed to their way and they walk before me as you have walked before me. Now I pray, O God of Israel, let your word come true, which you have spoken to your servant David, my father. So Solomon reminds the Lord that he has been faithful to David. He kept the word that he gave to David, that it would be his son who would build the temple and his son who would sit on the throne of his father David. And Lord, that's happened. You did what you said. So now fulfill your word in the future. Continue what you have said that you would do. And that would, of course, be contingent upon man's obedience to walk in the Lord's ways. But will God indeed dwell on the earth? Behold, heaven and the heaven of heavens cannot contain you. 
how much less this temple which I have built. So Solomon was very much aware of the fact that God could not be contained in the temple that he built. God is omnipresent. And this temple was not so much to provide a house for God, but was for the house of Israel to have God in their midst. God didn't need a house, but the house of Israel certainly needed God. Yet regard the prayer of your servant and his supplication. O Lord my God, and listen to the cry and the prayer which your servant is praying before you today, that your eyes may be open toward this temple night and day, toward the place of which you said, My name shall be there, that you may hear the prayer which your servant makes toward this place. And may you hear the supplication of your servant and of your people Israel when they pray toward this place. Hear in heaven your dwelling place, and when you hear, forgive. Now, the theme of Solomon's prayer really has to do with the focus on the temple. Everything was about this place. And so, as God would hear the prayers that were offered from this place, as he would see those worshipers who were coming to this place, that God would hear their prayer, that God would answer. And that as the people would look toward this place, as they would come to the temple and pray, or even just look toward the temple if they were away from the temple, that that would be the means by which their prayers would be answered. When anyone sins against his neighbor and is forced to take an oath and comes and takes an oath before your altar in this temple, then hear in heaven and act and judge your servants condemning the wicked, bringing his way on his head, and justifying the righteous by giving him according to his righteousness. So the Lord had specified in the law that it would be the priests and the place where he would put his name that the people would come to when they had a dispute, and the priests would be the acting judges. But here's the situation where it's unclear if the person was innocent or guilty. His neighbor accuses him maybe of taking something from him, but the neighbor says, look, that never happened. I never did it. And so they would have to come to the temple before the priest and he would give an oath and say, look, I never took it. It wasn't me. Uh, And so Solomon was saying, judge justly and condemn the guilty, but justify the innocent. When your people, Israel are defeated before an enemy because they have sinned against you. And when they turn back to you and confess your name and pray and make supplication to you in this temple, then hear in heaven and forgive the sin of your people Israel and bring them back to the land which you gave to their fathers. Now, Solomon is going to go through several different scenarios here of ways in which God would discipline his people if they were disobedient to him. And these were outlined in the books of Leviticus and Deuteronomy, that if they disobeyed him, then these were the things that would happen. One of the things would be that they would be defeated by their enemies. So Solomon says, look, when that happens and your people are defeated and they turn back to you and they confess your name and they pray in this temple, then hear in heaven and forgive the sin of your people and bring them back to the land victoriously. When the heavens are shut up 
and there is no rain because they have sinned against you. When they pray toward this place and confess your name and turn from their sin because you afflict them, then hear in heaven and forgive the sin of your servants, your people Israel, that you may teach them the good way in which they should walk and send rain on your land which you have given to your people as an inheritance. So once again, one of the consequences of them disobeying God would be that the heavens would be shut up and that would be really not good for Israel because they were very dependent upon the rainfall. It wasn't like Egypt where they could just you know, tap into the resource of the Nile whenever they wanted. They had to get the rain or else they had no crops. And so he says, when you shut up the heavens and there's drought, there's no rain, then they pray toward this place and they confess your name and they turn from their sin. Then hear from heaven and forgive their sin and teach them the good way that they should walk and then send the rain. When there is famine in the land, pestilence or blight or mildew, locusts or grasshoppers, when their enemy besieges them in the land of their cities, whatever plague or whatever sickness there is, whatever prayer, whatever supplication is made by anyone or by all your people Israel, when each one knows the plague of his own heart and spreads out his hands toward this temple, then hear in heaven your dwelling place and forgive and act and give to everyone according to all his ways, whose heart you know, for you alone know the hearts of all the sons of men, that they may fear you all the days that they live in the land which you gave to our fathers. So various famines or plagues, pestilence, mildew, uh, a locust plague, whatever it may be that could come upon them because of their disobedience, whatever plague or sickness that there may be. And, and sickness, of course, could be a consequence of their disobedience against God. Then Solomon said, whatever prayer that they make from your people Israel, when each one knows the plague of his own heart. So they come to that awareness of their sin. And I, I like this because the plague of their own heart, what is the plague of their own heart? Well, the plague of our own heart is sin. And everybody knows the plague of their own heart. We have a conscience that testifies against us when we sin against God, when we sin against his law. And we know what the plague of our own heart is. But when they come to an awareness of the plague of their own heart, and they cry out to you, and they make supplication, and they spread their hands toward this temple, then hear from heaven, forgive them, act, give accordingly, because you know their heart. You know what's really in their heart. Now, there are people who will say, I'm sorry, and I don't really know if they are truly sorry or not. I can't make that judgment. I just have to accept that at face value. That's what Jesus said. If your brother comes to you, you know, and says, For, forgive me, I'm sorry, then you forgive him. And of course, Peter said, well, how many times do I need to do that? Seven? And Jesus said, not seven, but 70 times seven. In other words, there's an unlimited amount. 
You have to forgive. They say, I'm sorry, I repent, then you forgive. That's it. But God is the one who knows the heart. And God can give accordingly. God knows if your repentance is sincere or if it's just a sham. Now, I've met people that think they know people's hearts. They tell me what their motives are, why they did this or that. I can't tell you what somebody's motive is. I don't know their heart. I can't see into their heart. But God can. And so Solomon said, you give them accordingly because you know what is in the heart so that they may fear you all the days they live in the land which you gave to our fathers. In other words, hear their prayer, forgive them, take away the plague, take away the pestilence, let them live in the land which you brought them to. And that's as far as we're going to get in Solomon's prayer today. This is just an awesome prayer. And I love to study prayers of the Bible, especially those prayers that get answered, because we see that God loves to answer effective prayers. And he loves to answer your prayers if you are directing them toward him in Jesus' name, which is the only means by which we can approach him and receive forgiveness and cleansing and restoration. You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. For more information about our church, please visit our website at calvarytv.org. To listen to previous episodes, go to 941thevoice.com or check out our iTunes podcasts. Tomorrow, we will conclude Solomon's Prayer of Dedication. We hope you will join us as we continue in the book of 1 Kings on Simply the Bible. <laughs>